0: All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from the road between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Truth is, is that uh, today I had a day where I had to take some... uh, important donors to Hebron, and I did that in the morning. I took him to the South Hebron Hills. I came home, I took a little bit of a rest, and then immediately took the bus. Yes, it was kind of rare. I don't take the bus often. I took the bus to uh, Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem went down, 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 like many, many flights into the new train uh, station, It's already a few years old but still it's pretty new and it's amazing feeling because it's huge and it's kind of very European very big Uh, and from there took the fast train which took just 30 minutes all the way into Tel Aviv now the truth is is that I'm still bothered by the fact that maybe I still know New York better than Tel Aviv which is very to me hurtful it's like come on it's time to get to know our big city Uh, Better than that old, God-blessed city of New York. It's time to get to know this amazing new reborn city of Tel Aviv. Uh, And coming out of the train station, what an energy. Wow, the place is hopping, hopping, hopping. Everybody's in at least one wheel, if not two wheels or other wheels. There's so many different kinds of wheels and everything's in motion. And it's just like, like, it's got like a smell of New York crossed with like Barcelona and it's Jewish, and it's Israel, and it's Mediterranean, and it's hot, and it's humid, and it's tall, and it's and it's fast, and it's awesome. Now, the reason I went to Tel Aviv is because tonight, uh, the one of my favorite organizations, which is called Im Tirtzu, which is like Zionism for our time, but not like fluffy Zionism, like some organizations that I just don't like their work so much, because I find that their work is kind of like... You know, the, you know, what you expect to be said, the the proper memes, the Hasbaraz, the, you know, the kind of, kind of like, eh, blah organizations. Im Tirtzu is one of the organizations that I respect very much. And that's because these guys are on campus. They're fighting anti-Zionism. They're fighting uh, various aspects and they're fighting the courts and they're protesting and they make a lot of noise and they also, you know, get a, a flavor of Zionism Uh, fighting Zionism back into Israel, which is very important. Now, today happens to be that the head of Imtirtzu, whose name is Matan Peleg, he put out a new book. And tonight was a select party, that's right, I got into the select party, uh, of nationalists, pro-Israel, Zionists, you might call them right-wing, you might call them, if you didn't know better, conservative But frankly, it is the nationalist camp in Israel, I think, is the best way that we would describe it. Uh, uh, So we were, you know, chosen to come to this book uh, party, this uh, book opening, this, uh, uh, what's the word? Launch. Launch, that's right, book launch. And uh, went to this book launch, and it was great. Now, what is the book about? The book is about a very important topic, which is, you know, you've heard on this show, a lot of times I talk about the anti-Israel narrative. But that anti Israel narrative is not just a product of cool fashion. In fact, it is an agenda that is highly organized and highly paid for by various elements, especially, and it was mentioned tonight, Germany and the EU, who are really outsourcing anti Israelism and funding it. And uh, tonight's book launch was all about research. Into the funding of anti-Israelism that happens every day. It happened to be that uh, I went for a second, you know, as as we do today, down to my phone to look up something about Germany uh, in um, in the news as I was hearing about what Germany's up to, and I saw that it happened to be that Abu Mazen, the head of the PLOPA. Uh, the Palestinian Authority, was in Germany when he made a comment that Israel has done 50 holocausts to the Palestinians. And then I saw that Germany themselves, uh, the German Chancellor and then his spokesman or I don't know, somebody else, uh, came out with a statement saying, yes, we abhor this comment that, that erases the singularity of the holocaust. So they weren't saying that Israel didn't do Holocaust. It's like, but don't compare it to the Holocaust because we don't want to erase that. And I was just listening to a speech about uh, the funding that these guys are giving to Abu Mazen and to anti-Israelism. And I wrote on Twitter, um, you know, don't give us, spare us your crocodile tears. You know, don't tell us the, how, how you're trying to protect the memory of the singularity of the Holocaust when we all know that you guys are involved today in anti-israelism and you're outsourcing your anti-israel your, your israel hate to others and that's the truth and then but and then that tweet started going very quickly and then as often happens to me when a tweet is exciting and hot as uh, somehow you could feel that twitter hits the brakes and shadow bans that tweet because there's a keyword there or something that they don't want they don't want you to diss Germany they don't want you to say Holocaust they don't want you to do that so another part of the narrative war is the suppression of of different narratives in any case, at this event I bumped into uh, a friend a person who I know has done so much for Israel and continues to do a lot for Israel and yet a lot of his work is behind the scenes and he is advocate Maurice Hirsch Maurice has spent 20 years in the JAG office the Israeli, uh, what do we call that? The, the Military Advocate General Military Advocate General, which is, which is JAG, is JAG. that correct? That's right and Maurice happens to live in my town and he's giving me a ride home so we are driving between uh, Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, these two centers of culture and of what Israel is, I mean if you want to say what Israel is, Israel is Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, that's, that's a way to understand what Israel is today uh, and uh, Advocate Maurice is also um, today working with Palestinian Media Watch, PMW, which is an organization that is uh, revealing, oftentimes to the world and to policymakers, what the Palestinian Authority is up to uh, and uh, shows their, you know, their, their duplicity, their hate for Israel, their educational hate for Israel. Uh, so let me start with this. I want you to know, Maurice, that I have a garbage problem in Hebron. In Hebron, we have a garbage problem because Arabs, a lot of times, and I don't mean to stereotype, but this is generally is true, have a problem with modern garbage systems. Uh, and so there was a lot of overflow garbage, especially plastics. And uh, there's a place I'm working on to clear it up so it will be open to the spring of Abraham. There's always garbage strewn around there. Anyway, I was walking there yesterday, and I found... Uh, textbooks 5th grade, 4th or 5th grade textbooks Arab textbooks from the Palestinian Authority um, with uh, being thrown out and also the handwriting of a child and I took out my Google, my phone, and I opened up Google Lens and guess what I saw that these textbooks are filled with with subtle anti-Israel messages, and not so subtle but total Palestinian nationalism which you can read and you can understand uh, is anti-israelism but of course the teacher will strengthen that so let's just for a second talk about school books okay what is the fifth fourth and fifth grader living in the palestinian authority next door being taught and how do you guys at pmw identify it and what can we do about it so so let me tell you something like this one of the school books that they have for fifth
1: graders Fifth graders uh, um, we're talking about 10 year olds 11 year olds 12 year olds that's basically their their the age group one of the uh, their school books talks about the heroes of a nation how every nation has its heroes every nation's heroes are the ones that they are looked the, the people who are looked up to they are the ones who are the inspiration for really for the next generation Um we have israeli heroes we have uh, biblical heroes and and that's the jewish people that's how we see our our, our uh, to ex- extend our leadership for the palestinians uh, uh, and these kids um they are spoon-fed who are these heroes so the heroes that they have include uh, uh, um, abdul el husseini um the leader of the arab uh, uh, forces against the jews trying to uh, um wipe out the jewish state um And amongst the other terrorists that I mentioned there, they have this woman called Dalal Mugrabi. Now, Dalal Mugrabi, if if you haven't heard the name, it's like one of these people that every person should know who Dalal Mugrabi is in order to understand what it means that the Palestinian children are being taught that she is a hero and that she is a source of their inspiration. All right, who is Dalal Mugrabi? So who is Dalal Mugrabi? Dalal Mugrabi was 20 years old when she died. She has one claim to fame, one thing alone. The fact that she led Israel's most deadly terrorist attack. In 1978, on the coastal road, she took a group of Palestinians, they got on a bus, and they murdered everyone. 37 people, 12 children, were murdered by Dalal Mughrabi. She is the Palestinian hero. She is the one that the Palestinian children are being taught to look up to as the Palestinian who first raised the flag of Palestine on the bus of the, of the Zionist conquerors. Mm. The, the, just imagine being told that the person that you have to look up to is Muhammad Abu el the, the 9-11 bomber like he he's your source of inspiration he's the one you should look up to. he's the one who you should think about that you want to emulate his actions <clears throat> and that's what the palestinian authority is teaching their children they have girls schools that wear the picture of dalal mugrabi on the front of their t-shirts and they have comp- school competitions the dalal mugrabi school uh, uh, um, uh, um, basketball competition dalal mugrabi is everywhere Hmm. That's that's what they teach them.
0: Right. You know, you, you know when, when, when somebody's listening to us right now, uh, they hear what you're saying, and it's like, yeah, that's horrible. But when I held in my hand the school book, and I saw a child's writing in it, and I took it home, by the way. I took the school book home. I have it. I saw a child's writing in it. I, 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 I suddenly saw the young child... I didn't see Dalal Mughrabi. I saw the child learning about Dalal Mughrabi. I saw the the, the the input into the mind. What you saw, Yishai,
1: what you saw happening in in, in, in in the school books and you see happening in the school books is the same type of socialization that that brought about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. No, nothing different. It took the Germans six, seven years to change the education system to make sure that by the time they got the the german soldiers got to be 18 19 years old they could take them into the woods bring out the jews and slaughter them Mm -hmm. that's what the palestinian authority is teaching it's that same process of socialization of indoctrination that the nazis did that is the
0: palestinian authority there there is no difference so what you just said, uh, for all intents and purposes, is that the Palestinian Authority is a neo-Nazi type of organization. You're saying that they are teaching Israel murder, Israel hate, and that's, that's the kind of stuff that's inside. Now, when we say Palestinian Authority, it doesn't mean somewhere far away. Like Hebron, Jewish Hebron is within the Palestinian Authority. And East Jerusalem, parts of Eastern Jerusalem, are, uh, have these schoolbooks have palestinian schoolbooks so you're not talking about something far away we're not talking about pakistan or indonesia here we're talking about right around here and certainly that influences israeli arabs as well we're talking about our immediate neighbors we're talking about people
1: who as a uh, that, that we have no opportunity not to interact with them they are around on our streets on our roads they wander around freely amongst us and um, there's more and more palestinians coming into israel Every single day, uh, the, the world likes to talk about this lie literally, the lie that's called the blockade of Gaza. In the last year, 250,000 entries from Gaza mm-hmm. into Israel
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's a, and that's just from Gaza. Mm-hmm. Every day coming into Israel, there are 80,000 Palestinians with permits and another 40,000 without permits. These are the people who learned that Jews are the source of all evil, exactly as the Nazis thought, that Jews need to be killed. The Jews are
0: the ones that have stolen the Palestinian homeland. Let's talk about for a second uh, the head of the snake. And that's this dude by the name of Mahmoud Abbas. Now, Mahmoud Abbas was uh, famous for being the financier. Uh, of the 1972 Munich Olympics, of which we're recalling now 50 years, commemorating 50 years of the massacre. 1972 Munich Olympic massacre of the 11 Israeli athletes. Uh, He was behind that. And he's also famously uh, the author of a doctorate in Moscow on Holocaust denial. And here he was in Germany now, a guy who denies the Holocaust Uh, is working for the destruction of of Israel is certainly a very minimum part of the replacement narrative of Palestine Uh, like in this textbook that I pulled out of the garbage the most visceral and obvious thing of them all is the constant flags over Jerusalem of of the Palestinian flags there's an erasure of our claim and a replacement what I call a replacement narrative uh, of their claim so uh, here's this guy, and he's in Germany, and, and he, makes a, uh, he makes a tremendous claim. He says, Israel has done 50 holocausts, <laughs> and he says this in Germany, and at the time, uh, the chancellor, I don't even know his, the new chancellor's name, uh, didn't walk out, Schultz, Schultz, he didn't walk out or anything like that. Afterwards, he tweeted, a, you know, a correction, a cor- you know, but he wasn't shocked at the, in, in the moment, and also his, his, his answer, I think, was actually not very correcting at all. It's just like, oh, actually the Holocaust is specific, but, you know, if you gave it a different name, then maybe it would be okay to say that Israel has committed 50 holocausts. So tell me a little bit about Abu Mazen, Mahmoud Abbas, uh, and what's his standing? What's he doing for anti-Israelism? Uh, is he indeed an heir to Yasser Arafat? And what is the state of Israel? And we're going to get to that, you know, in the next question, really, which is what is the state of Israel doing or not doing about it? Saabu
1: so, uh, Mazen Mahmoud Abbas. Mahmoud Abbas was uh, um, the eternal number two to uh, uh, um, to Yasser Arafat um, until Arafat died, um, and then he became number one. Um, as opposed to Arafat, um, who had this uh, air about him of being a terrorist, he was always dressed in. In, in, in what appeared to be military fatigues um, never served a day in his life as a soldier he was just a terrorist um, but uh, Mahmoud Abbas wanders around in a suit he has his doctorate he is the father of the ideology of hate against Israel uh, from 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 A to Z everything that the Palestinian Authority does comes down from Abu Mazen so let's talk about, about a little bit about Abu Mazen firstly his doctorate talks about the idea that the zionists cooperated with the nazis in order to wipe out the jews of europe and to get rich that's that's it that's his that's his theory um if the holocaust happened there were a few thousand people that died certainly not six million because that's just not true they are living somewhere around the world the guy can intellectually explain to you that the holocaust didn't happen like just let that sink in for a second intellectually explain that the holocaust didn't happen like that's just unbelievable and that message goes down all the way through the pa so let's put that on one side he is a holocaust denier secondly this is a man that goes on palestinian television and says we are the palestinians our claim to palestine to this land to the land of israel dates from before abraham we were here before abraham you mean philistines don't are canaanites don't try and attribute anything to that because at one stage they're philistines at one stage they're jebusites at one stage they're canaanites there's always a different story as to exactly who and what they came from and to sue every period of time every time he wants to talk about something else so he comes from a different people But his basic claim is to, as you said, replacement theory, replacement narrative. He has to say that he was here before Abraham because Abraham's the Jews. Abraham is promised the land of Israel for the Jews. And so comes along Mahmoud Abbas on Palestinians. This is the leader of of the Sopal people um, saying intellectually again, we are the descendants of this 5,000-year-old people without any proof whatsoever it's not like the Romans or the Greeks or the, we're five thousand years old don't try and ask now rhetorical questions like simple things well when were the Palestinians actually born how can they be Palestinians there's no P in, in Arabic they're the only people in the world that can't pronounce their own name this is this is this is the intellectual feat that uh, that he goes through. He will then take that on to every level. What you everybody should hear now and should know about is the pay, is the pay for slay program, where the PA pays every terrorist in jail a monthly salary, as a reward for terrorism, as a reward for slaughtering Jews. That is a program of Mahmoud Abbas. It is Mahmoud Abbas who passed the law. Uh, um, in the PA that that really entrenched that whole system of payments it's Mahmoud Abbas in 2006 who raised the payments it's Mahmoud Abbas again in 2010 who raised them even more on some occasions raising the salaries by 300% salaries to people who murdered Jews so we're not only talking about someone who teaches the ideology of the Nazis kill Jews we're talking about someone who takes it one step further and says you know what if you actually kill Jews I'm gonna pay you a financial reward now imagine this type of thing let's say in America in America imagine an organization offering a financial reward to murder black people like imagine that never mind Black Lives Matter Black lives don't matter so much that you're even going to be paid a a reward to murder them. That's what Mahmoud Abbas does. But it isn't black people, it's Jews. And because it's Jews, it's apparently okay. You can pay rewards to people for murdering Jews, and that's perfectly fine. The world will accept that. This is the same Abu Mazen, the same Mahmoud Abbas, who passes a law in the Palestinian Authority, raising the punishment for selling land to jews to the death sentence now when you're talking about apartheid south africa even in apartheid south africa blacks were allowed allowed by the the graces of the white racists to own seven percent of the land in south africa in the palestinian authority by the word of mahmoud abbas a jew cannot own any land if you sell land to a jew you get put to death. This is racism from every way shape or form that you can understand. Area A and B under Palestinian Authority control, 40% of Judea and Samaria is off limits to Jews, not to Israelis. Israeli Arabs can wander around there happily. Foreigners who are Arabs can wander around there happily. Who can't go into those areas? Jews that's that's abu Mazen. that's the that's his policy all the way through abu Mazen's idea is very clear and the ideology that he passes on is that israel has no right to exist in a speech in the un last year he said we'll do you a favor we'll go back and we'll now accept the petition plan from 1947 like who do you think you are You weren't even around in 1947. Palestinians didn't exist in 1947. If you read the petition plan, I'm a lawyer, right? So in every document, you read what's there and what isn't there. If in 1947, there was a group of people, a defined group of people called Arab Palestinians, then the petition plan would have said there's going to be a Jewish country and there's going to be a Palestinian country. What does the petition plan say? Jewish country and Arabs. Palestinians didn't exist. And Abu Mazen says, if you don't agree to my preconditions of destroying the the, the, the the state of Israel, then I'll accept the petition plan. And what is his major, the next part of his plan? The next part of the plan, one of his... Uh, uh, um, one of the, 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 the PLO hacks was this guy called Saib Arakat. Thank God, Jew hater. Thank God he's no longer with us. He died of COVID, actually
0: in an Israeli hospital. Um, uh, good that he's gone. Good riddance. I forgot about him. I, uh, I had his email address. And, uh, yeah, I, I forgot about Sayyid Barakat. He was a real troublemaker. Uh, he, he was just an animal as well. But, uh,
1: but uh, so he's dead. And, but one of the things that he said on Palestinian television is that, in, in 2008, Ehud Olmert, our uh, uh, convicted uh, 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 prime minister, um, offered Abu Mazin more land than the entire area of Judea Samaria and the Gaza Strip in 1967. And he said no. He said no. Oh well, look at that! We're, we're going past the the the, the oppressed people. An X sixteen, beautiful car. Yeah. Palestinian place, driving through the middle of Israel. Unbelievable. That's one of Abu Mazen's uh, crony friends. Um. Sorry. Um. So 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 he says that that Abu Mazen refused. Why did Abu Mazen refuse? Because part of Omer's plan was that only a hundred and fifty thousand. So-called Palestinian refugees would be allowed back into Israel. That wasn't enough for Abu Mazen. Abu Mazen wants every single Palestinian refugee, so-called, to be a- to come back into Israel. That means allowing 5.6 million Arabs who have never been here. They've never stepped a day in their life they've never been in Israel. Because the UNRWA, the, the other Jew-hating UN organization, re- registers them as, as refugees. He wants every single one of them to come back into Israel to democratically obliterate
0: the Jewish state. That's his goal. Uh, and he says it all the time. So it's, so it's terrorism on the one hand, supporting the murder of Jews by supporting terrorists and killers... Uh, then it's teaching, you know, the, the children uh, and through the textbooks. Then it's calling for uh, using the U.N., the international community, to call for uh, the, the so-called refugees to come back to the land of Israel. But really means to flood Israel with people that were never born here in order to vote them out. And it's also to accept a smaller Israel and then terrorize it through rockets and other things. So, OK, this guy is, is running a multi uh, a multi front war. Uh, to destroy Israel and sometimes he puts on a suit in order to he always puts on a suit to talk nice uh, he knows how to talk diplomatically and uh, alright so but you've identified him as uh, an overt enemy and you've in, in other words called him the, the head of a snake of a, of a Nazi type of organization within Israel now here's the here's the real question and we're speaking with uh, Maurice Hirsch uh, an advocate 20 years in the uh, Israeli JAG office of uh, the head of the uh, prosecution of Judean Samaria army prosecution and today working for PMW here's the big here's the big question everything that you said now is is basically patently true and uh, a, a short perusal of Abu Mazen's work will identify him as an anti-semitic uh, activist and anti, an, a, a person who's seeking to destroy Israel but there's another side. And the other side is that the state of Israel supports Abu Mazen. Recently, in the last few months, um, Benny Gantz came to the, invited uh, Abu Mazen to his home, I think it was once or twice, came to him, and they see him, the Israeli uh, system sees him as a partner. Maybe not a partner for peace, but a partner to keep the lid on the pot And oftentimes when uh, pay for slay is blocked, they find a way to give them loans to pay off the the goons and to make sure that basically the the money to the terrorists sitting in jails keeps flowing. And uh, there's no, not only is Israel not saying no, not only is Israel like not fighting it, they're actively bottom line supporting it. And I've got many more examples of, of actual support. And, and it's basically well known. And if you like deal with a guy like Isa Amru, who's an anti-Israel activist in Hebron, whenever I say to him, listen, you know the Palestinian Authority that, that you also work for are, are anti-Semitic, corrupt, uh, anti-Arab folks, he says, Palestinian Authority, that's nothing but a, um, uh, what's it called, contractors of, of the State of Israel. Like You, you guys make these, like, and he says, there is no Palestinian Authority without Israel. And that's the real—that's the real reality, the uglier reality. And so, okay, I, I accept what you're saying, but but explain to me how I, as a real like a person who, who knows what's going on, how am I supposed to swallow the reality that the state of Israel is is the backer, and it's certainly not the destroyer. If we wanted to, one bullet from one special operation guy would take out Abu Mazen, or many a myriads of other ways of just turning off the tap. Uh, you could make, you could turn off the electricity or the water on, on the terrorists. You could certainly close bank accounts and freeze them. And you know that our guys, uh, you know that our, that our intelligence community is following him in every step. And you know that they know every transaction that he does. They could block these things, but they don't. They choose not to. And they see them as partners for controlling the Palestinian population. So, uh, Advocate Maurice Hirsch, can you, can you help me understand how am I, am I supposed to understand that? Am I supposed to understand that the State of Israel is actually... The backer of, of of its own haters.
1: Also, I don't think you actually uh, um, really understand the the depth of the depravity of the situation. Mm. The, uh, um, based on the Oslo Accords, Israel gathers tens of millions of shekels in taxes every month, hundreds of millions, in fact, um, for the Palestinian Authority. Um, we provide the Palestinian Authority with. 65 to 70 percent of their budget we don't need in any way shape or form guns all we need to do is turn off the money the Palestinian authority cannot exist without money we provide them with the money sadly isa amru is it 100 right they only exist because we allow them to exist um and so the really the question is well why do we do that and the answer is that for the last 25 years we've been stuck in this rut of conceptual uh, uh, conceptual uh, um, misunderstanding of 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 really denying reality and trying to ignore the reality that's that's right in front of us it started already with oslo and the first day that yasser arafat came into gaza um in the car that he was driving in he had illegal weapons and he was sitting on terrorists whose entry had been refused so you're now the soldier there you're waiting to understand what is the instruction what am i meant to do and what does Yitzhak Rabin do he says it's okay we can deal with another terrorist let him in But this is the basis of the agreement. If you cannot respect the agreement from from day one, then what do you expect uh, to be at the end? And if you... Really, it's just like a child. If you tell a child, don't throw stones, and he throws stones anyway, and you're saying, oh, it's not so bad. What did the child learn? You can throw stones. It doesn't matter. It has no consequences. And that's what we've taught the Palestinians and the Palestinian Authority from day one of oslo that they can breach the accords that they can do whatever they want they can promote terrorism and we're not going to do anything and constantly in that same conceptual rut rut that maybe one day they'll change because we just want peace so i can understand if you do that for a year if you do that for two years this is now going on for 27 years it's way beyond any type of uh, uh, misunderstanding this is the Palestinian Authority we know exactly what they are so now the, the the security establishment comes up with a new idea well we have to keep the we have to maintain the Palestinian Authority because the alternative is Hamas Hamas are these crazy Islamic fundamentalist not jobs who all they want to do is murder Jews and they are clearly worse than the Palestinian Authority well so I I fundamentally as you understand from uh, 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 what I said previously fundamentally disagree with that I don't think that Hamas is any different from the Palestinian Authority in any way shape or form to a great extent that Hamas as I heard today from someone amazing I had an amazing day today but uh, an expression I heard today Hamas and it's right Hamas is a strategic problem right because you have to deal with them and, 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 and really learn how to avoid their uh, 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 armaments, avoid uh, um, them arming themselves, avoid them shooting rockets at the Jews. That's fine. The PLO and the, and the PA is, ex, is an existential problem. Because Hamas just wants to murder the Jews. They don't have any type of desire to set up a Palestinian state they just want one big Muslim state from uh, from uh, uh, I don't know, from the uh, uh, the Atlantic Sea through to the the, the the Gulf. That's what they want. They believe in this in this in this Muslim caliphate. Whereas Abu Mazen wants to set up this Palestinian state and destroy the Jewish state. And whereas Hamas seem to be just plain terrorists, the PLO PA are seen to be moderate that's how they've managed to sell themselves all the time and so israel plays into that narrative all our governments so far for the last 25 years have played into that narrative mahmoud abbas the pa plo are the moderates within the uh, uh, palestinian society when you compare them to hamas and and that's and that's the fundamental problem with Uh, um, the way that the security establishment in israel sees the palestinian authority they see them as sometimes partners they they've sanctified this idea of the the uh, uh, the israeli palestinian security coordination which exists the pa plo actually coordinates with israel for the purpose of arresting terrorists which is an amazing statement like that just contradicts everything that i just said but then you have to understand, and, and I say that not not just as someone from the street, from from someone who was in the system for twenty years. What is the nature of that security coordination? That's the big question. So what does it mean? This security coordination? Hamas are trying to take over the PA. They won the elections in two thousand and six, and they should be the rightful leaders of the PA. Abu Mazen deposed them. Military coup threw the government out. In Gaza, Hamas got their revenge, threw the Fatah people off roofs, and took control. In in and Samaria, Abu Mazen is still hanging on for dear life. So what's the security coordination? Fatah Abu Mazen, P-A-P-L-O, give up to Israel the Hamas activists. Israel goes and arrests them. Obviously, we, we, it's good for us to arrest terrorists, but he's not doing it because he, he has anything, any type of compassion for Israel, any desire really to avoid terrorism. He's doing it to get rid of his own enemies from within. Mm-hmm. Israel is doing his dirty work. And that's the, the, the security coordination that, that the Israeli uh, security uh, establishment so sanctifies it. Well, it's so important. How can we manage without the security cooperation? We can manage quite fine. We had six months last year where there was no security coordination, there were no extra terror attacks. We know how to deal with it perfectly well by ourselves. But at every stop on the way, you have the security establishment, which is predominantly left dominated. That is constantly trying to push this idea of we have to make peace with the Palestinians now that's wonderful I'm sure that and 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 I don't say this lightly and 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 I say with my father-in-law as a Holocaust uh, survivor that's almost akin to the 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 people in Auschwitz going to the the Gestapo guard saying well let's make peace that, that that's basically their mindset this guy doesn't want to make peace with you he wants to kill you there is nothing in him that wants to make peace with you he doesn't see you as a human being and it doesn't matter how much you want to make peace with him because he's not interested and we can try and feed ourselves that garbage every day that the palestinians just want to make peace you know what a lot of the Palestinians are happy to live with Israel. They would prefer to live under Israel. They would prefer not to be under the, 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 the yoke of the Palestinian Authority. When you ask the Palestinians in surveys that they con that they conduct, they say more than 50% say that the PA should disband itself. They hate them because they are dictators. They are it's full of nepo- nepotism, corruption. It's it's re- it's just a, the worst situation for them. But when you're talking about their leadership, their leadership, all they see is Jews as the evil of the world. And, that, and, and, and unfortunately, Israel is stuck in that same mindset of, well, we started on the path of Oslo. We started on this path of peace. And we're going to do no matter what we need to do in order to try and make that happen. It doesn't matter what the, almost doesn't matter what the Palestinians do. Palestinians pay salaries to terrorists. We punish them. Benny Guns <laughs> gives them, takes away with the right hand, and gives them back with the left hand. It's just unbelievable. And the sadness of it all is that in the left wing's race after uh, uh, um, Abu Mazin, in trying to persuade him to make peace with us. They are the ones who are really destroying any hope of peace here. Because as long as the PA PLO exists, there will never be peace in Israel. The Arabs will never make peace with us. Because they are the ones who are pushing the hatred. And so whilst the left wing is, is constantly trying to push on us this, this idea of, well, let's make peace, let's make peace. And in unfortunately, obviously the, the question is, well, well, how do you explain? The, the 10 years of, of the Netanyahu governments uh, um, from 2009 to 2019-20? Um, well, the answer is that he, he always had some type of an excuse as to why he couldn't um, cancel the Oslo Accords, as to why he couldn't uh, um, clearly say that the Palestinian Authority is bad. And and that's part of Israeli politics, of the, these evil coalitions that need to be made in order to make a government and, and 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 really the, uh, um, the the tremendous leeway that every leader has to give to small parties almost
0: that can dictate policy. Well, in Netanyahu's case, in like let's also be real about that, he is somewhere there. Also, a, a two-state status He is. He has voted consistently for those kind of things and famous bar speech, et speech, etc., etc. You've said a lot, uh, advocate Maurice Hirsch, and I'm going to ask you one last question, uh, and you can keep it short if you want, but um, you've been in the system for a long time. You've seen terrorists. You've prosecuted them. Uh, You follow what uh, the bad guys are saying and doing, how they're funneling money into the state of Israel uh, to fight Israel um washing brainwashing young children paying terrorists using the international community against us uh, and still of course the State of Israel is winning in the sense that it's growing economically people-wise more religion more love of, of of Judaism Israel is stronger today albeit much smaller physically I just want to ask you kind of in finality here which is how do you do it uh, how do you you know you're now I don't know. What, Twenty-five years in this business, more. Um, how do you emotionally deal with with the with the with the challenges of a having enemies all around us and within, certainly the places where you and I live, uh, and also with the reality that that we talked about in the question previous, which is, um, you know, the state of Israel's tacit approval of these things, and really being our, our own worst enemy, and as you were talking by the way, I just wanted to add one thing, which is uh, there's a great parable for what you're talking about. Uh, the uh, Everybody knows about Noah's Ark, but the uh, Medrash says that another creature that was part of Noah's Ark was actually Og. Og, who was later to be king of the of the Golan, the Bashan, and he's this like, big giant. And in a sense, he's kind of evil, and he's holding on to the Ark, and he's got, there's a hole and Noah's feeding this giant through this hole, and I always thought that was a great example of like here you have the state of Israel. It's like this ark, and it's beautiful, and it's saving the Jews. And yet we're feeding this monster. We're feeding the monster, and it's hanging onto our boat, and it's floating along, and it's there, and we're, we're we're kind of feeding it. You know, you're feeding the you know. Remember uh, this little Shapohars, you know, the Audrey too, right? Feed more Seymour. Feed me Seymour. That's right. So I always feel it's that way. So, so th- that's my really question. You could keep it short. Just how do you deal with it all? Like, how do you how do you make sense of it in your mind? How do you go to sleep at night?
1: So, so I think the the, the answer to this is really very very personal. Um, but I, but I'll tell you anyway. I am a Zionist. I have faith. I came to uh, uh, Israel uh, um, to serve in the Israeli army to uh, um, to to do good for Israel to promote Israel's cause. Um, and that's what I've been doing for 25 years since I, um, since I arrived in Israel. And I believe in, in, in what they call in Hebrew, that, that this is the country of the Jewish people. This is our only place. We have nowhere else to be. And we have to fight for every inch of, of the land of Israel because this is ours. This is our homeland. This is the place that for 2,000 years jews jews only dreamt about living in and we're now living in this generation an unbelievable time where jews have come back to israel we've built this amazing country we've built an amazing economy we have an amazing society we have jewish kids learning torah in 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 in, in schools all over the country there are yeshivas that there are more jews learning torah and 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 than any previous time in in, in the last like, three thousand years, and 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 we have the this amazing uh, right to be to be living at this uh, this to be living at this. We're we're part of that dream. We're part of the, 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 this this chain of generations, uh, just living the dream of 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 millions of Jews who were murdered in the Holocaust. That that one day we'll come back and we'll be in Jerusalem. We'll be able to. Have our children, and and we're living the the, the, the this morning. Like I said to you, I was uh, uh, I had an unbelievable day today, just a Zionist day from A to Z. Um, I was in the Shomron this morning um, with uh, uh, with Barza etzni and uh, uh, um, and with uh, um, Benny Katsova the, really one of the that I, I did that tour as well. The founding members of uh, just unbelievable of, of 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 the settlements in Juden Samara Samaria, just. And you're talking about living the prophecies of, 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 of our prophets. That, that Jews will come back, Jeremiah said, like, Jews will come back and plant uh, grapevines in the Shomron. There haven't been grapevines in the Shomron for 3,000 years. And suddenly you drive around the Shomron today, it's covered with grapevines. We're living this prophecy of the Jewish people coming back to the Jewish homeland. I gave a, a lecture a few weeks ago on, on 100 years to the British Mandate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What does that mean, 100 years to the British Mandate? 100 years of the international community recognizing if you haven't read a, 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 a Zionist document in your life,
0: read the Mandate for Palestine. That's right, that's right. I, 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 I'm very, you, you, you really quite, that happens to be a specific issue that I'm very keen on. Uh, and I, uh, people can hear your British accent, and I caught earlier also your South African uh, t- t- words there. I caught them. So you're originally born in South Africa, but British, uh, raised British. Um, the British messed up, and in the 40s we had to kick them out of here. But it is a mistake to only remember the British as occupiers that needed to be kicked out in the in the in the in the late. What do you call it? In 1917, uh, the Balfour Declaration, and 1920, the San Remo (coughs) Accords, and then 1922, uh, the uh, League of Nations mandate for Palestine, which was always pushed by the British, uh, was really where Israel was born. The truth is, is Israel was born in 1917, and it's populated after the Holocaust. Truth of the matter is, World War I was actually when Israel was born, and the liberation... Uh, of uh, the land of Israel from the Ottoman Empire was actually the, the key moment. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people don't know that. And Israelis are way stuck on, 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 the, on what the UN said later on, which is the partition plan, and it was practically meaningless. And really uh, was reneging on on good law that was written beforehand, and people just don't understand. The truth is, is that it was it was Lloyd George, it was Balfour, it was even Allenby, it was it was other people that were great Zionists, uh, and and at the time that's where you know Israel was was born in Whitehall, uh, was was born when Allenby uh, kicked out uh, the 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 Turks from. From, from Beersheba, from Yafo, and, and went up to Jerusalem and, and liberated Jerusalem. And, and kind of that's, that's an un, uh, misunderstood and, and so vital importance. So it's, it's, you're absolutely right. The founding document, of course, is the League of Nations mandate for Palestine. It's,
1: that, it's the international community saying in that document that we hereby recognize the historical connection of the Jewish people not the Palestinians Of the Jewish people to the land of Israel They call it Palestine But that's technical To the land of Israel And for their right to reconstitute Their national homeland Not to create de novo Not to create something new that never existed But to reconstitute their national homeland This is, this is the, the, the nations of the world saying that This isn't the Jews This isn't Herzl This isn't the Zionist Congress This is the nations of the world getting together in an international document and saying this piece of land is the historical right of the Jewish people. And and, and that's what we're doing here. Every day, every day you get up and you fight for the Jewish country. You fight for the Jewish people and their right to settle every single centimeter, every single millimeter of the land of Israel, because that's not only our God-given right but it's also the god-given right of the of the in, via the international community saying that this is the jewish people's right and that's something that we have to fight about every single day there will always be detractors and it doesn't matter how much these people hate us it simply doesn't matter as much as they've been fighting us as the, as much as they didn't want settlements in Jordan and samaria from 1970 there wasn't a Jew in, in 1967, there wasn't one Jew in Judean Samaria. Today there are 500,000 Jews living in Judean Samaria. It's just unbelievable. We're living that
0: dream every single day. The Jewish people. Advocate Maurice Hirsch, thank you very much for this time. And as we were talking about these things, we have driven almost all the way up the mountain, up the mountain range of Judean Samaria into Judea, uh, from Tel Aviv, and experiencing really all the magic uh, of, of a reborn Israel. Uh, now it's nighttime here, and we're almost home. It's uh, late. I want to thank you very much for this conversation. wish you lots of blessings, and thank you for uh, making our listeners, uh, if not smarter, then also more impassioned. God bless you, and thanks so much for being with us. Thanks very much. Have a good day. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show. More great stuff is on the way. Stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected. We'll be right back. Don't worry. The Ishai Fleischer Show will be right back, so stay tuned. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. I want to thank the folks that make this show possible, uh, like my team, which is uh, Moshe Herman, Yocheved, Ben Bresky, Tabitha, and Lou when we're live. Uh, Folks that make the show uh, really uh, happen and getting it out to you. I'm honored to be on your team and thank you for being on mine. You guys are great. And there's all kinds of other folks that are on the team as well, including uh, Edward, who just bought 36 coffees at buymeacoffee.com, which is his way to support uh, the shy Fleischer show, so you, so you go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai. That's easy and fun. And thank you, uh, Edward, and all the folks that give at Buy Me a Coffee. It makes a difference. It makes me chipper, happy, helpful, uh, help pay. You know, for for various aspects. There's a lot of little things that we pay for to make the show uh, happen. It's a great honor, and thank you very very much for that coffee. It's virtual coffee, of course. It's digital coffee. It's not real coffee. You understand. It's like a kind of currency. Coffee's a currency. You know that. I also want to thank the sponsors of our show, uh, including Prohibition Pickle. I don't know if you saw this week. I put uh, a picture of myself with a big, big mean salami. It tasted mean, too. It had a mean taste. It had a garlicky, just awesome taste to it. And I had it on Shabbat, on Shabbat Nachamu. Where Malka and I celebrated uh, our anniversary, and thank you so much for all the people who wrote to me and wished us a happy anniversary. Uh, anniversary that was really nice. Uh, I also want to uh, thank uh, my good friend Dr. Brodsky for sending in a good donation, a great donation, uh, an awesome donation. All donations are good donations, you know. And we got to thank Hashem for for all the parnasa, the welfare that He gives us. Uh, and thank you to uh, the Brodsky family. Uh, for being part of the show and being part of the efforts to beautify Eretz Israel, to strengthen it, and um, to build it together. Uh, I want to thank, so I was saying, who was I saying? Oh, right, Prohibition Pickle, prohibitionpickle.co.il, and the awesome salami and the awesome hot sauce, which I'm going to have this Shabbos. Prohibition Pickle makes my Shabbos spicy. Check it out. and make somebody else's Shabbat spicy by sending it out. Uh, and I know some good friends of mine in Yerushalayim, the Pittingers, they're always eating you know, a, a Prohibition pickle every every Shabbat, so it's really cool. I want to thank also the good folks at the Hebron Fund. People are reaching out to me day in, day out about getting to Hebron uh, this summer. It is like, I'm telling you, when I say day in, day out, I'm not exaggerating. Every day somebody wants to get to Hebron, and I'm always recommending the incredible, the unique product of Rabbi Simcha Hachmem, uh and the Hebron Fund tour. It's just unstoppable. It's like twice a week. Yesterday, there was like 120 people at Hebron on the Hebron Fund tour. It's hebronfund.org forward slash tour. Book it, be there, and be moved uh, like that. So check that out. I want to thank the folks that get our show out. And really, there's two main uh, uh, news agencies that I want to really thank, and that is jewishpress.com. One of my favorite uh, news emails is jewishpress.com. And when I say that, I'm not just saying that because you know it's it's a uh, it's a plug. I literally that's the email that I read every day uh, is JewishPress.com to see what's happening in in the Jewish world, what's happening in Israel. It's really a, a a broad sweep of the issues that matter. They send out this Jewish Express. I say sign up for it because I really like it, enjoy it, and it gives me the news from yes from a religious slant, yes from a nationalist slant, but yet informative and clear. Uh, and, and I guess, how should we say it? And uh, open minded and broad, uh, but still Jewish and in the Israel news that you need. So that's Jewishpress.com. And of course, our good friends at Israel365news.com and Israel365.com, uh, a host of products, including the inspirational Israel365 email every single day. And one of my favorite products, ones that I have given to important people, including Vice President Mike Pence, is the Israel Bible an amazing product and i want you to send me a picture of your israel bible at home because i have a feeling you already have one or get one getting one and the israel bible is a beautiful you know bible it's almost competitive with the you know the non-jewish uh bibles that are out there i mean i love those non-jewish leather bound bibles and now god bless the good folks who you know have uh you know more text than the you know original traditional jewish bible The uh, so-called Old Testament with the so-called New Testament. We don't really like that language. Uh, But I want to tell you, those leather-bound Bibles that you guys have, gosh, those are beautiful. Uh, And and we in the Jewish world need to make those leather-bound Bibles. But in the meantime, we do have a beautiful, fabulous Bible, which is called The Israel Bible. So appropriate. Love it. Love that name, The Israel Bible. And you know what? I love everything about it. I love its look and feel. Uh, I love that it has the cover of The Six-Day War on it. Uh, I love that it's made by Koran with the Koran font. I love the commentary about the land of Israel and the transliterate the translation and transliteration that appears in specific verses. Of the transliteration, uh, editing by my good friend, uh, Rabbi Tully. And you can get it at Israel, at, no, at the Israel Bible, theisraelbible.com forward slash Yeshai. I'm so lucky that my name gets to be associated with the Israel Bible and your name should be associated with it as well. So go to theisraelbible.com forward slash No, not forward slash. I'm I'm being silly. TheIsraelBible.com, and then coupon code Yeshai, bang, 10% off God's holy word. Very good. Now, speaking of God's holy word, let's finish off the show with a little bit of table Torah. And as I always say every single year, and I said it last week's show as well, there's a problem with the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Dvarim. It's hard to give a Dvar Torah. What I mean by that, it's hard to like... Explain something or or, 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 or or see a deeper, you know, show a deeper meaning in the verses that's not there. And the reason is not because uh, the, the depth is not there. It's because the depth is being told to you by Moses. What I always say is, in the book of Dvarim, read it out loud. Read it out loud at the table. Read it out loud to yourself. Still, though, uh, it is the Torah portion of Ekev, uh, Deuteronomy 8, Dvarim Chet, and let's just read some of the verses uh, that we should all know. Because some of these verses are the classics of Jewish literature and Jewish liturgy. Okay, so for example, uh, here's one of the famous verses. It says about the manna bread, it says, V'yancha v'yarevecha, v'yarevecha, v'yarevecha. And he, 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 he a little bit, he challenged you and he starved you. But then he fed you the manna bread. Which you didn't know, which your forefathers didn't know. In order to let you know. For not on bread alone shall man live. For whatever God comes out of God's mouth, will a person live. God's the decider. He's the feeder. You're not going to make just bread for yourself and feed. You didn't create yourself. That's what that verse is really about. You didn't create yourself. You're a created being. And God's got you on a path. So and he fed you the manna in order to tell you <clears throat> that's actually how it works. I feed you the manna. When you do make bread for yourself or, or when you make uh, a uh, living for yourself, just know that I'm really actually feeding you. It's just through the – it seems like you're feeding yourself. The truth is I'm feeding you. Or worst case scenario is that you really are feeding yourself and I'm not feeding you and therefore you're on, on your own. But if you really want to live the right way, let God be the one who's feeding you. Understand that all the stuff that comes into your hand is from Hashem. So let's say thank you Hashem for the bread that you've given us, the life that you have given us. And I just spoke to a friend of mine and she told me that her husband passed away from a brain cancer. <clears throat> and she's raising her five kids, and I just realized how much we have to be thankful for every minute that we have. Uh, there was also a soldier that was killed here in Israel by friendly fire when he went to pray, um, and it's a horrible accident and horrible friendly fire, but the bottom line is we have to be so thankful for every minute that we have in this world, and it is, again, lo alalechem levado adam, man we shall not live by bread alone, For whatever comes out of God's mouth, a person shall live. Uh, And then we hear about, speaking of bread, And you shall eat, and you shall be sated, and you shall bless Hashem your God on the land, the good land, which uh, God has given you. I'm actually thinking about changing the name of the show to the Good Land, the Good Land with Ishai Fleischer. I was just, I just, I really like this uh, brand, the Good Land, and I and I started looking and Of course, all the the internet properties are all taken up by all kinds of silly stuff. But I was thinking to myself, the Good Land, the Good Land. That's that's like a brand. <clears throat> I, I, you know what? If I was Israel, I am Israel. But um, we are all Israel. We are. If you're listening to the show, you are Israel, one way or another. Um, I was thinking to myself. Israel's like tagline should be like, you know, like visit Israel, the good land, the good land. That's just what it is, the, the good land. And if you guys can give me any hats that have the good land on it, I'm really looking for that. Maybe even a Milwaukee, the good land. And I'll, I'll forever be thankful for knowing the uh, Algonquin, Milwaukee for the good land. Yes, yes, I'll forever be thankful to you know who, Alice Cooper, for teaching me that. In fact, isn't Milwaukee an Indian name? Yes, Pete, it is. Actually, it's pronounced miliwake, which is Algonquin for the good land. I was not aware of that. Here it is in the Torah again, and this here, by the way, is a positive commandment to also bless God after eating bread. And let's just do maybe just a few more verses. Here's one of the famous ones. Also, these are all so famous, but this one became a Hebrew idiom. Ve'amarta <speaking in Hebrew> b'ilvavecha. And you shall say to yourself, You shall say to yourself, remember what we learned just now about the bread alone, that, that that you may think that you did it. You may say to yourself, My strength, my strength and the power of my hand made all this success for myself. So the next line says, that's, of course, the negative, you know, that God, forbid, uh, here, we would read it today like this, God forbid, you should say to yourself, my strength and the power of my hand gave me all of this success. And then the next verse says, And you shall remember that it is Hashem who gave you strength to do valor, to be successful. So that he shall fulfill the covenant, which he swore to your forefathers, as is this day, like as is today, like it's still alive today. Now, what's so great about this is that it, it does not mean that God will make it all happen for you. It means he will give you the strength. So if you have the strength in your hands and in your arm, if you have the power and you do, that's great. That's what God says. Do that. It's just he says, recognize that it's me who gives you that power behind the scenes. Recognize that power. Uh, Speaking of recognition of power, yesterday I was walking in Tel Aviv and I saw all these cranes and I felt the power of Tel Aviv and of Israel rushing forward in strength and in just a sense of destiny a forward momentum, and it was just gorgeous. What a feeling. And that's what I mean. I saw all these cranes, and you could be like, Israel, you so want to push forward. You're doing great. But if you just say, Hashem, you are giving us the strength to move forward, to, to develop this whole thing, but it's you behind the scenes. And if you could just make that tiny pivot, that tiny pivot to recognition of God as the power behind the power, uh, then that's really what the Torah portion is telling you, Yes, I will give you strength, but see that I am giving you the strength, and it's not your strength. And therefore, don't be idolatrous, but be a believer. Be a believer. I can't leave her if I try. When I saw her face, that means I saw Hashem's glory. I saw Hashem's revealed. Now I'm a believer, not a trace of doubt in my mind. I don't know. I'm just making up this song. Maybe you know what it is, or maybe I'm not making it up. Maybe it's it's Hashem's uh, revelation in this world, even through those who would be called the monkeys. In any case, God bless you guys out there. Lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings, from the good land. That's right, the good land that is developing with God's strength. Uh, uh, he's, he, uh, he is filling us. He, You know, it's so interesting, right? He fills us with his presence, and he says, now fill the world with my presence. He says, I fill you with, with, with strength, fill this world with my strength that's really that's really what th- not only is the whole story of the world about but especially the time that we're living in so lots of blessings and lots of love write me an email com. get out there and do something and you know what don't get lazy send me a picture of yourself doing something awesome being part of this the creation of this world whatever it is uh, if you're hammering something if you're chiseling something if you're you know pasturing some sheep if you're I don't know, fixing your car and you feel that God is in your life and that I'm in your life and that's a, that's a merit for me, uh, then uh, I am very, very thankful for that indeed. So God bless you guys. More great stuff is on the way. Stay tuned. Stay strong. Stay connected. Lots of thanks also to the folks at the Land of Israel Network for getting the show out to the world. You guys are awesome. Ari and Jeremy and the beautiful farm here in Judea. Come visit us. Come be part of it. You are part of it wherever you are. And Shalom.